0: Okay, today is December 3rd, 2020, and welcome to this week's Bindo with Robert Holmeshead. Bob, AccuTrade gives three values on mm-hmm. every vehicle. So we give Target Trade, Target Auction, Target Retail. Mm-hmm. Well, so Target Retail is a pretty self-explanatory, but can you explain and go into detail the other two, Target Trade, Target Auction, how we should mm-hmm. think about those? Yup. I'm happy to do that, Sean. It's a question
1: we're frequently asked. And actually, target retail is not what necessarily self-explanatory. So target retail is a number that is actually based on the characteristics of the VIN, right? Good equipment, bad equipment, lack of equipment, good of color, bad color, uh, a previous history of an accident, et cetera, right? So that's all related to... Um, Let's call it a target trade number. So what we call the STRIVE number, the short-term residual value insurance number. So to call it STRIVE, it would be short-term residual insurance value. So you can call it an anti cash offer because it is, but it really isn't. It's an insurance policy that enables a dealer using the tool to understand that's an underwritten number that they can actually base a deal on. You can obviously offer more. Now, why would we say a target auction price? So we don't like to call it target auction. But any other description of target auction would be too too many words or too much uh, um, um, uh, uh, to fit into a little tiny uh, uh, nugget of a spot, right? So target auction really means if you went to an auction what you would anticipate that that car is actually going to bring. And that would be to who? The best end user, right? So when you're trading a car, you could be the best end user. Somebody might even tell you you're always the best end user. The facts turn out to be different. The facts turn out to be um, you don't necessarily want to trade a car for what the car would bring in an aggregated or an auction marketplace. If you do you're not going to be in business long. If you pay more, so that that takes that takes us then to something that no one ever thinks about, but when we look at today's world of let's call it simulcast, it reveals it. But people don't stop for a second to peel the onion back a layer or two. What do I mean by that? Well, if we sold 800 cars yesterday at an auction and you could see there's a a few basic the entities that bid on you know a hundred or two hundred cars, but they're the best end user on fifteen. Now what does that mean when they're bidding on a car and they stop bidding and the car continues for a thousand or two thousand or three thousand and sometimes five thousand more. but that name brand dealer stopped bidding long ago. Does that mean they believe that anyone beyond that paid retail? No. What it is, it it reveals a better end user for that particular car. It could be for many different reasons. A dealer has a customer. It could be their competition. It could be a hundred different reasons. They got to have cars this week because they had a big uh, Black Friday, and they're just blindly bidding on cars. The, the underwriters of, let's call it the product, uh, actually, built this tool to say, a target trade is a, a, a price that you would be aiming to trade the car for and be happy to, to trade it at that number. And it happens to be insured, so you can't go backwards. Somebody using the tool that is, you know, and the used car manager's not there, the general manager's not there, somebody needs to appraise a car using the tool, you absolutely can trade the car with no fear of, um, being incorrect. So when the juice car manages it, he comes home or he's got his day off and you know, uh, three cars got traded. It's a common thing for you guys. Oh, juice cars. I can't take a day off because look, I got buried in six cars, Well, that can't happen any longer because when you're using the tool and they're being traded at the strive number, the short-term residual value insurance, the target trade number, you got nothing to worry about you follow me now more importantly when you actually bump into a repeat customer a car that you absolutely are going to keep for retail you don't want to let somebody walk at a number that would actually indicate that if you were currently if this was not a car that's going to be traded I mean, you're going to go to the auction you're going to go start doing your proxy bed you're going to do whatever you do to acquire inventory Right? You would be willing to pay because your proxy bid could be very close to this number or that number or whatever number. And it's going to be, if you're a, 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 an aggressive buyer for that category, those calif- qualifications of that particular unit, the pedigree of that car, you're an aggressive buyer, it's going to be somewhere right around target auction price. So, so that would be, mm, let's call it not adverse selection. Trades can be adverse selection. When you're actually aggressively buying cars, that's not that's conscious selection. You've made a conscious effort to buy those cars because you either had a good history of selling them or you're out of those kind of cars. You got customers for you. You become a better end user than a uh, a blind adverse selection trade, you know, you're a Mercedes, here comes a Ford pickup truck with rust and a quarter. You're not the best end user for that truck. There's plenty of better end users, but they are not in the process of trading that car. You follow that? So when we give the home line on that unit, in other words, the insurance number, um, the theory would be that that particular dealer may Use a methodology to find a better end user. It could be immediately selling it to a wholesaler. It could be you're going to put it in the bid lot. It could be you're going to put it on a, uh, you know a a, a a platform that comes and does a condition report. You might. Could be that you're going to put it on a. It could be a million different things. You might even bring them to an auction. You could be a Hendrick in North Carolina and bring your trades to a Kinley, North Carolina, and you have 500 uh, uh, um, buy here, pay here lots. Fist fighting over the trash cans that you bought. And started off the conversation today, Sean, with you were shocked that every car that came to your auction this week when you plugged in the OBD, they all had 8,000 issues that you wouldn't know standing next to the car. Is that correct, Sean? So when that car comes to the gate and you're plugging it in, you're saying, well, it's not, not a bad little car. You plug it in, it looks like a Christmas tree on the OBD. All of a sudden, you're looking at it differently. Now, what really happened is that adverse selection got traded at the Toyota dealer, the Lexus dealer, whatever. And now all of a sudden, they're going to liquidate. You follow that? If 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 that means they're looking for a better end user because when they traded the car, they might have traded it without the OBD, the high probability they didn't have an OBD to do it. They had to wait until they got it in the shop to find out that it was adverse selection. And now it's off to, let's call it the remarketing uh, uh, channel, right? So target trade is, Adverse selection. Here it is. You got a price. You know you can make a deal. And honestly, we're finding that you know dealers are closing forty, some closes sixty percent. Look the book and trading based on our price using a tool. It's it's if they use the the, the whole process just put in the dent, to scratch to this to that, show it to the McGillicuddy's and McGillicuddy say, wow, yeah because. And here it is, folks. And this is the reason why. Boom! You got a deal because it's all about transparency, process, technology. You follow me? Not, all oh, your car's worth, boom, and that's the end of the story. And they're supposed to, to gulp it like a big, giant tablet that you can't get down your throat. Now you're gagging and arguing, I don't want to take the medicine. You say, now there's a tool, the process is built to mitigate that, to help everybody understand here's why and all the rest. Now, beyond that, I'm going to keep it or not. I don't want to lose this customer. Let me go deeper. That would be the theory of... It's not the theory; it's the it's the product that means if you were going to keep this car, or if you were going to go out the open market and buy this car, you're going to pay more for it because you're a better end user for that car. Now, when you get to uh, a target retail, it's based specifically on mileage, color, equipment, dent and scratch, history, keys, service history. Are you going to service that car? If yes, push service. Boop. The retail ask just jumped up dramatically. I'm going to certify that. Boop. I'm going to certify that car. I'm going to get a lifetime warranty forever, and everybody's going to be happy with the car. We'll come pick it up if it's not because you certified the car. Boop. The relevant retail ask increases dramatically, and it's based specifically on the color, the mileage, the equipment, and the characteristics. The the VIN-specific characteristics. You can go all the way into previous paint if you'd like. Um, um, All of the other things that are relevant to adding value to the vehicle and then having a relevant retail asking price in front of your face instantly because it's based on replacement value. Somebody just opened up the window going 80 miles an hour. I didn't know you could drive a convertible this time of the year. Um, convertible just shut? Okay. So So based on... The characteristics of the car, not based on what your neighbor has won that wasn't a wreck, and now you've got to try to find a way to sell it for less than your neighbor. Now, that to me does not make any sense because it does not enable a dealer to sell a car for what it's actually worth because if you sold it and you have to go replace it, you, you, you're going to have to pay market value to do so, and therefore it dictates specifically uh, um, um, the, re- the the target retail price.
0: Does any of that make sense to you, Sean? Well, and I think that kind of just adds right into uh, the best end user. So when you're doing your your target retail and it's coming up at seventeen eight and a half, uh, and then then you're actually getting ready to go and it's nineteen three. Yeah. Like, does that actually change how, how yeah. the, uh, the replacement yeah. value of the vehicle is? Yeah, or?
1: no, but what it does is it, it actually helps you understand if you are the best end user. I'm going to give you a perfect example. I swear to anybody who might have the inclination to listen to this, this is not a, a, a contrived or pre-loaded uh, a, a conversation. This morning, about 7.30, I got a lot of dealers who call me on the way to work. Bob, talking about they did, they didn't. They fired, they hired, they got the best guy in the world. Now there's the fixed ops guy and all the rest of the Okay, So that's the, the how they fill their time. They're aggravating me at, when they're waking me up in the morning to start talking about their thing. And that's fun because I like to understand things, right? So I got one of the sharpest retail people I've ever been encountered with in my life uh, that runs a Toyota dealership, right? And he he's, he's you, I can't believe it. So I traded from my best friend. He used to live in new England. Now he's in Florida. And I traded the, it's a beautiful car. It's an S class Mercedes with good clock. Right. And of course he prices his car to the, be sure that he's nobody in the world could sell it for less. Right. And he can't sell the car. Now, number one, he's in Florida and it ain't got no cooled seats. So you, you, Nobody's nobody's actually like, hey, uh, I, I see you got one of the cheapest ones in the world. Don't have cool seats. I think I'm going to come buy it from the Toyota dealer. Not, that's not the way it works. So what it really reveals is he's not the best end user. He only got one of them. And even though he's asking, 15000 less than anyone else in that market. And there happens to be 423 others similar to that car. And for 30 days, he's the lowest in the market. Right now, there's a couple of things that that reveals, right? And he does do 200 used car retail a month, and you know, he's 3,000 a copy and all the rest of it. Right? The guy's as good as anybody I've ever met, but he can't sell a car and he can't understand it. And, and it really boils down to. In other words, there's no way to get around it, right? Uh, When you look at his inventory, I got it loaded, and I'm looking at it, and you can see what's aging and what's not. And he does love to have a fancy this or that here and there, and he goes out on a broken branch with 10, 2020 Corvettes and all the rest of that, right? Because that's whatever. And we're sprucing things up, et cetera. But when you hit a car that you really don't have no desirability, it's got dinky wheels, it's not a sport, you follow me? And it don't have no um, heated and cooled. In other words, you now have an amorphodite at a location where you can do anything and you're the best retail deal. but you can't sell that car because it's not for you. It doesn't fit your category. If if you asked free, if you said free for this car, nobody's volunteering to come, to come, come and get it. The theory that everybody is the best retail dealer for every car, if anybody believes that, have an ego that doesn't fit into, you know, let's call it the Basilica of uh, Jesus Christ of uh, Notre Dame, right? So in other words, it, it's not true. There are better end users. The only reason we know that to be an, an unquestionable fact is go to an auction and watch who's bidding on cars. And now you don't have to go to an auction, go on Simulcast and watch how when CarMax or Carvana, you know, big, big guys, big, they're the biggest buyers, Jesus Christ, they're on cars, I can't buy cars. No, no, you're wrong. Because what happens is when you see when they quit and then watch the bid, it goes from thirty-two two, thirty-two five, thirty-three five, thirty-four five, thirty-five five, and you know who stopped at thirty-two three? You guessed it, the big guy. But you saw their name, so they're bidding on every car, and therefore you believe they're the best end user for every car. No, they're not. They're disciplined buyers that quit way before the actual value of that car is. And then when you actually sold them fifty-seven cars last week, and on every single car. They were extraordinarily disciplined in what they bought. You follow me? And as a result, they did buy a lot of cars. But what they bought, we didn't make no money on because they actually stopped before the actual best end user was found. They actually, with their discipline, are actually able to buy cars and not be emotionally attached to them regardless of what they are. They made their justification of what they're going to pay ahead of time. And when you they happen to be they they bought the car, but when you watch the best end user pop up more frequently than not, they're blown completely out of the water. It's not a car that falls into their what you would call mm, personality type, their their specialty type, the year. The mileage, the, ca- the qualifications. Now, CarMax car is buying a lot of cars with bad Carfaxes, which they never really did before. But they're brilliant because they only do ones that they've touched that they can see that it had an incident. But when they look at the car, they can see that it was a very, very, very minor incident. They examine it. They don't just blindly say, I'll buy it because it's cheap. So, in other words, their methodology is brilliant. It's not smart. And they do it with people who are not necessarily deeply ingrained car people. They do it with process. This is exactly what we're enabling any dealer using our tool to do exactly the same thing that the smartest people in the in the automotive industry have proven. They can train regular people to be great buyers of cars using a process. And that's exactly what we do. When you look at what they pay compared to what our target auction price is, it's typically less. There will be a 2016 uh, Lexus RX in white with navigation that they'll wind up paying 800 more than what our target number is. That's rare. If we sold them X number of cars, that happened on four cars, not on the majority of the cars. The majority of their cars, they're actually buying in between what we call lane guidance Target auction and target trade. In, bet- in between there, that's a, that's lane guidance. That's when you're on the road of owning a vehicle for what it really is worth, and you can duplicate the price. So, Shawnee, this takes us to another thing. But, Bob, Jesus Christ, you know, I got your thing on the thing. And a car brought 4000 Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely correct. It brought $4,000 more. Now, let's ask a question. Is that what you'd like to trade it for? Of course, the answer is no. You'd have to be a moron. You'd be out of business. secondly, secondly, Well, that means that your tool doesn't work because it did. No, what it really means is two retards locked up on that car and they would never, ever, ever be able to duplicate that price. If they brought that bitch back into the same auction with the same auctioneer at the same time of the day next week, they'd never get remotely close to what they paid for the car because their emotions or their reasoning, they got a customer, and the other guy got a customer, couldn't even be the same customer, both from Dover, Delaware, or both, and they know the guy, and it's the car. That's the one he wants, right? So now all of a sudden, they locked up on the car, and the bitch brought 4G more than it's worth. And car, and by the way, CarMax was bidding it also, but they stopped 5000 ahead of that. That doesn't mean that they wouldn't buy the car. It just means that they weren't the best end user because they did not have the criteria or the reason to, to wind up blowing their brains out What's my best friend? I had to get him a car. Okay, you got him a car. You didn't do him a favor because you actually paid, if you looked at Target Retail, a little over that number. And if for some reason your friend farts backwards on that car, you know, they fart backwards, that means you bought it for them and you're altruist. I'll get you one. Don't get one. So I'll get you the one. I'll get you exactly what you want. And you bring that sucker home. I'm sure there's nobody listening to this little recording that would say, "Yay, yeah, pissed backwards on me. You follow me? And now you're sitting there with your thumb, you know, someplace weird. Right. And you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with it. Right. Because you got exactly what your customer wanted, but mm, something went wrong. I'm sorry, I caught COVID. I can't buy it. You don't mind, do you? No, I don't mind at all. I went to East Jibip to buy it, paid the moon for it, and now it's sitting in my inventory, and I ain't got no way to get out of it, right? If you're looking at Target retail, you own it for more than that. I don't know what you're, well, you could always pick up something in the shop, and you'll pick up something on finance, and you'll pick up something else. What you're really going to pick up is your ego, um and uh, uh actually it's going to be for less than what you thought it was right so uh, you know it it's 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 interesting it, it, showing there's another thing i noticed a lot of people are using the tool right now because we don't have let's call it the infrastructure as people sign up and they start using it to to buy cars i notice frequently when because we're actually able to see who's doing it and for what reasons on what platform they're not putting in equipment. They're not putting in, uh, let's say, color. If you're looking at a car that's color sensitive, a Seven Series BMW, an S-Class Mercedes, an RX, anything, a GS, an LX. In other words, a Corvette. Cars that are cars that are truly color sensitive. If you're not putting that in, you could say, "Oh, look, see that tool set?" No. No, that don't matter. If you're put looking at a, a truck, you know that, and you pick the wrong model, and you don't put the mile or the, uh, uh, the 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 particular equipment in, um, no, the the the, the pricing's gonna be way out of whack. But that's like saying you went to the grocery store with a blindfold on, and you could smell you're in the fruit department, and you thought you bought a watermelon, turned out to be a cabbage. You follow me? Two different prices, two different uses, and you're definitely going to be screwed up. You have to put in um, the equipment and the color. If you're logged in with your um, vehicle history report, you know, that's already whacking it. And we want to also be sure that we understand we're whacking vehicle history a little more than what it actually brings on the block because the best end user, Shawna, you've got to be listening to me now because it's so important, when you're trading a car with a bad fax, right, and you're saying, well, I don't care about a fax, well, that means you're overlooking the reality of that car has a marginalized history. If you're not taking that into consideration when you go to try to sell it, nobody in the world's ever going to tell me that you're going to get the same price. You might be able to because you're a better bullshit artist than anybody else in the world, but that won't sustain itself over time. Well, we're whacking it a little bit hard for the history report. It's so a dealer can trade the car with the McGillicuddy's for an advantageous price because the dealer didn't have the accident. The consumer did. It's nobody's fault but the consumer. And I feel sorry for it. It wasn't even their fault they had the accident. That don't change the fact that the car's worth less money because it's got to hit on facts. And then when you look at what it brought in the auction market, the best end user can overlook the fact because they know how to sell. They're not selling cars. They're selling credit. And it doesn't matter to them That that means the best end user has revealed themselves. Johnny, does that make Hollings sense said, to you? Said, no, not Joe Holland said. Uh, Rob-
0: <laughs> yeah, Bob, that's uh that last bit on the vehicle history and why it's being hit like it is, uh, is is perfect. And I gotta get that out to all our AccuTrade dealers here because that is a question that comes up, and that's a great explanation it's the
1: rainbow It's the rainbow use of the tool sean so in other words understanding at a retail level in other words when you're talking to the consumer when you're trading their car that's one use case and when you whack it for the facts, or you whack it for a dent or you whack it for a pdr or you whack it for uh, uh let's say it needs uh, uh wheels done or whatever it happens to be right when you whack it for those items Um, You know, it's a little bit hard. So when you actually look at it, what it brings in the auction, it's definitely going to be more because the auction reveals the better end user that can overlook certain items that actually reveals a much higher price than if when you're trading the car. Do you really want to be the ultimate amount of money before you actually rationally concern or uh, uh, converse with the consumer to show um, why their car is worth X you see what I'm saying to you, my friend? It's it's different than when that car is on the auction block and what it's actually bringing. Two different extremes in terms of the use case of the tool. Mm-hmm.
0: There's, a, there's a ton of meat there. And I, I like that, you know, the technology that equals transparency in a process. And then the other thing that just to join them all together allows you any dealership to train everyday people to buy cars, which... As we all know, you know, time is time is short, and you got to get the you got to get these appraisals in, and you have to get these acquisition opportunities into the into the dealership. That's the theory, my friend, and that's what we say is the multifaceted use case. And you know, as dealers
1: use the tool more, they do understand. Dealers aren't stupid. You follow me? In other words, if if you have something that helps them do business um, uh, for next to free. Um, uh, they learn how to leverage it in their own personality types, in their own circumstances. A Highline dealer different than, you know, a Kia dealer different than a buy here, pay here dealer. But in each circumstance, how you use a hammer is different. You see, a hammer can be used for lots of things. Murder could be used to take out nails, could be used to put in nails, could be used to balance something because it's too light on the other thing. There's 80 different ways to use the hammer. And I think uh, as people use our tool set, um, they find different use cases uh, of why you uh, uh, um, actually reach for the hammer uh, uh, in different circumstances, if that makes sense to you, friend. Mm -hmm. I
0: like it. I think that's a great way to end for today. Thank you, everyone. All right, Shawnee. Thanks, everybody. Have fun.